0: Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. You're very welcome today. And uh, I believe the Lord's going to speak to you. Um, I have a wonderful message. Um, Before I do that, I just have something on my heart that I wanted to address. Um, I've been awake since 3 o'clock this morning, so I've had a lot of time to think. And, um, you know, it. this has been a challenging season for everybody, there's, there's no doubt. And, um, and, and certainly for myself, uh, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of masks. I'm tired of people arguing over vaccines. I'm tired of, you know, all the things that are going on. I'm tired of being treated like a child by the government. Um, you know, I'm tired of this, you know, the polite silence of many of my colleagues in ministry. You know, I've been referred to some as very radical. And, you know, if wanting the church open makes me radical, then so be it. Um, But, you know, I I, I believe in what we're doing, you know, and I believe that, you know, like Ecclesiastes says, that there is a time to speak. And um, I think it was Martin Luther King once said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And so, you know, I absolutely believe that there is a time, um, particularly for those of us in ministry, to stand up and be counted. And um, uh, personally, I I can't and I won't play the game. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'm not here to be politically correct. I'm here to obey God. And, uh, you know, for the last year, we've done our best to, to, you know, comply with all the various government recommendations and requirements, and we've respectfully obeyed. But, you know, I do believe that a time comes where you have to respectfully disobey, because when worship becomes a criminal act, you're left with no other choice, because what they have just done uh, this week in the law that they have passed is they have criminalized Christianity. And... uh, as a pastor, I have to address this. Um, You know, over the last year, I've tried to build a consensus among other pastors, particularly with CVI, because I saw this coming. And, you know, I I, I saw the importance of standing together. Uh, You know, I realize, you know, some ministers are never going to see that. They can never see beyond their own work. Paul said of Timothy, I have no one like him uh, who will sincerely care for your state because all others seek their own, not the things that are of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, like I said, sometimes people get tunnel vision when it comes to their ministry, they can't see beyond that. But you know what? I believe this is a season for us to stand together, and it was really heartening yesterday to see, you know, Presbyterian, uh, Reformed, Baptist, Pentecostal, you know, so many different ministers coming together to pray on behalf of this land, okay? So all I can say is I can't do it anymore, um, you know, I think it was Martin Luther King once said, you know... Uh, uh, At times, you may have to disobey a king in order to obey the king. And uh, Jesus is the king. He is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And as a pastor, I've seen the damage that this whole season has done in people's lives, in their hearts, in their homes. Like I said, we've addressed all of the issues over and over again in letters to government, etc. Um, and it, it, you know, one of the things I'm also mindful of this is, you know, it, 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 the gathering of the saints is something that is essential to Christianity. Um, you know, I've even seen, uh, uh, you know, our average times on Facebook. Uh, I think it's somewhere between seven and eight minutes people watch so don't tell me uh, you know this patronizing crap that people put out that you know you can just have online it's the same thing no it's not you know having a person sitting in a service is not the same as somebody watching on a TV screen or a phone for six or seven or eight minutes okay and I do not accept anybody saying that it's the same thing it's not And I'm I'm not going to pretend it is like many pastors are. I'm not. It's wrong. Okay? The gathering of the saints is something essential to church. Okay? And and so it's not the same. It never was and it never will be. We serve a face-to-face God. Exodus 33, 7 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. But it's not just face-to-face with our Creator. It's face-to-face with each other. Amen? This is how church has been for the last 2,000 years. I believe effective ministry is always face-to-face. You can't pastor somebody through a camera, irrespective of how high the resolution is or how well the camera people do. Ultimately, it pales in comparison to ministering to people in the same place, okay? And so, again, this is something, as a pastor, I I long to see um, the members of this church Um, For many of the people in this church, it's been over a year since I've seen them. And so, uh, again, um, you know, this is an issue. And so uh, all I can say, look, is as a pastor, I want to be there for our people. And so this Sunday at the papal cross at 9 a.m., I'll be there um, from 9 to 10 to pray and to read scriptures. And, you know, if somebody needs prayer or encouragement, I will do my best because I've put this off for a year For a year, I haven't been pastoring my people. I've done my best to minister the word to you over the camera, but it's not the same as pastoring a church. And so, like I said, I'll be there on Sunday. And if it's a criminal act, then so be it. Because, again, Martin Luther spoke about, you know, when there are laws that are unjust, you appeal to the higher law. And all I say is to gather to worship is not... A crime. I don't care what laws are passed. It is not a crime unless you're in somewhere like communist China or North Korea, okay? And so uh, again, because like I said, as pastors, we've been dealing with the collateral damage in people's lives. Because again, they say we're all in this together. No, we're not. No, we're not. None of the government or so-called medical experts have lost their jobs, or their incomes, or their livelihoods. As a pastor, I'm dealing with people whose lives have been devastated. They're not able to provide for their families. I'm dealing with pastors who can no longer pay for their buildings, and yet their landlords are holding them to paying it. Men and women that are in full-time ministry and have answered the call of God, But they cannot pay the bills because their churches have been closed for over a year. So don't give me this patronizing stuff about we're all in this together. Fact is, certain careers, certain jobs, certain businesses have been wiped out. But hey, stay home, stay safe. But church is off limits. I heard one so-called medical expert on RTE refer to churches as dangerous places. No, they're not. There is no proof that exists to show that churches have contributed to the spread of COVID. I believe we can meet safely. But they say churches are dangerous, but of course you can go to Centra, You can go to Tesco. You can go to Aldi or your local off-license. But that's different. So now organizing or attending a public service is a criminal act. They're saying that my calling is a criminal act because that is what I do as a pastor. I organize church services and I preach the gospel and I minister to people. You know, John Bunyan spent 12 years in prison in the United Kingdom and they told him we will let you go free, just don't preach the gospel. He said, if you release me today, I will preach tomorrow. And all I can say is by what the government have done this week, you've set yourself on a head-on collision, not just with the church, but with the living God. Because I tell you, you better have big prisons. You better have big prisons to put away all of the pastors because we are called to preach the gospel and we will be silent no more. Why did Daniel pray with his window open? Why didn't he just close the window? Why did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand when everybody else fell? Why did Esther step forward when she could have hidden her identity? They were obligated to God. They were obligated to obey. They were obligated to the gospel. And so too, I must be about my father's business. Because the Bible I read says this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. And then the end shall come. I'm ashamed to admit the fact I have not done an outreach in Dublin city in over a year. For the last 25 years, I've regularly gone to the city to stand and preach and win souls. I haven't done it for the last year, but I can't do it anymore. I have to answer the call of God because I'm answerable not to the Irish government. I'm first and foremost answerable to the God who saved me and called me. And so I'm speaking to all the pastors around the nation. You need to search your heart and ask yourself, what am I meant to do in this time when they have decided that attending church is now a criminal act let me finish by saying ct stud said this only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last i know i've ruffled feathers i know i've made waves i know i've lost friendships but i do not care because i'm answerable to god i'm answerable to god I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. I'm not here to be p- politically correct. I'm here to declare truth. What you do, what it is up with you. So I just pray in the name of Jesus for our government, that God will grant them repentance, and that they will, that they will revoke that law that they have passed, criminalizing worship in Ireland. And if you're watching from wherever around the world, please pray for Ireland. Hallelujah. I'm going to get into the message now. That was just the prelude. I just had to get out off my chest. Because like I said, I've been awake since 3 o'clock. And these things have been going through my heart. Father, we just thank you today for your word. And we ask the Spirit of God you would speak. Speak to us, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. The title of the message today is Prayer That Prevails. Thank you, Jesus. Sweetheart, where you get my glasses? They're in my briefcase. Prayer that prevails. Let me read this quote. Prevailing prayer is prayer that pushes right through all difficulties and obstacles. Drives back all the opposing forces of Satan. And secures the will of God. Its purpose is to accomplish God's will on earth. Prevailing prayer is prayer that not only takes the initiative, but continues on the offensive for God until spiritual victory is won. That's by Wesley L. Jewell. He, he wrote an amazing book on revival. So, again, prevailing prayer pushes through the difficulties and obstacles, and it drives through all of the various um, opposing forces. And its purpose, it says, and it secures the will of God, its purpose is to accomplish God's will on earth. Prevailing prayer is prayer that not only takes the initiative, but continues on the offensive until spiritual victory is won. So again, it's not enough to just pray the prayer. As we see here, we have to press through. And right now, in Ireland, we have to press through some things, but we are going to break through in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, no government, no earthly ruler, no you know, no potentate or king can prevail against the purposes of God. So what exactly is prayer that prevails? Is it merely about ticking a box or going through the motions? How do we get God's attention when we pray? What constitutes effective prayer anyway? I mean, is it about being, you know, is it about how poetic or profound or religious that you sound? Luke 18 verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You see, the Pharisee certainly was confident in his standing with God. I'm sure he was able to pray long, pious prayers all day long, but Christ made it clear that God was not impressed. And yet the publican uh, prayed a very simple and yet heartfelt prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God heard him. D.L. Moody uh, from Prevailing Prayer said this, My experience is that those who pray most in their closets generally make short prayers in public. So, is prevailing prayer, is it based on how loud or how long you pray? Or on how many people you enlist to remember you in their prayers? Like a kind of online petition. The more people, the more credibility your request will have in heaven. I mean, what constitutes the prayer of faith? And, you know, for those of us who've had our prayers answered, you know, at times we might struggle to explain exactly how or why. Because to be honest, our results have most likely been hit and miss. Because sometimes we have hit the mark in prayer and at other times it would seem like we have been way off. So how can our prayers be more effective and consistent? How do we pray and prevail? I mean, why are some prayers answered immediately and others, to be honest, seem to be ignored, denied, or lost in the post? You know, these are legitimate questions that people have. Because there are many sincere people who have been saved for years, they know the Lord, they know the scriptures, they go to church, and yet they are unsure and unfulfilled when it comes to prayer. I remember one pastor you know, confiding in me one time many years ago saying, you know what, I can read books all day long, but you know what, I can't pray. That's a pastor in trouble, if you can't pray, because that is your, that is your line to heaven, that is the source of your strength, amen? And so this is the thing, many Christians are unfulfilled when it comes to prayer. They hope God heard them, but they're not quite sure if he will answer them. They're really not even sure if prayer that prevails is an emotion, a feeling, or a formula. But you know what? It's none of these things. Because sometimes there are believers who are faithful in prayer. They love God, and yet they wonder why the breakthrough they desire hasn't manifested yet. Are there secrets to prayer that prevails? First John 1.3 says, Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Of course, it's great to fellowship with God. It's great to talk to God in prayer. But ultimately, effective prayer is more than mere fellowship, our emotion, our spiritual lift. Because ultimately, effective prayer is answered prayer we need to see answers and nothing makes hell more nervous than saints who prevail in prayer turn to your neighbor say it's time to prevail in prayer okay I know you don't have a neighbor but if you're at home if you have somebody talk to anyway God wants us to prevail in prayer because prayer isn't just meant to make you feel better even though it will Prayer is meant to affect real and lasting change in your life and the lives of those for whom you pray. It can even change the course of nations. You see, God has promised that if we will ask Him, He will give us nations. Psalm 2 and verse 8, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Ask of me and I will give you the heathen. Another version says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. The othermost parts of the earth for your possession. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from the wicked ways then I will hear from heaven I'll forgive their sin I will heal their land you see God has promised to heal our land if only we will take our place in prayer because all of hell trembles at the thought that we might one day discover the awesome power and unlimited resources that God has made available to us through prayer you see in view of this prayer becomes an invitation rather than an obligation and if you're in the place where you look and prayer as an obligation, you need to repent and step out of that legalistic mentality and recognize we have been invited into the presence of the King. Matthew 11:28. 28, Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn of me. I'm humble and gentle in heart. You'll find rest to your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So, if prayer to you is some kind of a burden, something, oh, I have to do this. I, I have to go through the chores and you're looking at your clock and you're going through the motions. You say, have I prayed long enough today? Or are you saying, oh, I haven't prayed today. That is the wrong mentality to take with regards to prayer. Jesus said, come to me. Come to Jesus. It's easy to come to Him. Amen? Hallelujah. So Christ has invited us to come. Just as the disciples witnessed His glory, so too we can come into His presence and encounter the risen Christ. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Acts 1 and verse 3, to Him, to them, He showed Himself alive after His suffering by many infallible proofs. Jesus will show Himself alive to you if you will pray. Because through prayer, we can literally touch and change earth because the church has tried endless schemes, formulas, and philosophies of men as an answer to reach our generation, but the answer is not found there, the answer is found on our knees. You see, it's easy to buy a tape or a book, a CD, or buy a, a book from the latest church growth expert. But you know what? There is no substitute for getting on your knees and spending time with Jesus. Spending time in His Word. Spending time in prayer and intercession. 1 Corinthians three nine. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. 2 Corinthians six, 6 one and 2 We then as workers together with Him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For He saith I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I Thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We can work with God as we pray. You know, last night, uh, yesterday evening after I came out of the prayer, um, you know, we had a wonderful time of prayer and intercession. And just as I came out, I see a missed call. I, I called, and it was somebody from the Sunday Times. And they did a little interview with me over the phone with regards to the, uh, the criminalizing of public worship. And uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I gave both barrels. I, I, I just unloaded on, on this lady. And she was like... <laughs> But you know, I was I was still I still had a little bit of fire from, from the meeting. So um but you know what? It's great, you know, because apparently I've been I've been quoted in some way in the Sunday Times. I've no idea what it says, but I know what I said, so it's gonna be good in Jesus' name. Amen. Because you know what, it's time to speak truth to power. Because you see, they they have earthly power, but we have Power from heaven. We have power of a different kind that no emperor, no ruler, no potentate, king, or dictator has ever been able to withstand. Thank you, Jesus. The church will prevail. The gospel will prevail. And that's why the Bible says, we then as workers together with him. Glory to God. You're not in this on your own. Hallelujah. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Yes, at times it becomes tough. At times it becomes dark. But the Lord Jesus Christ never leaves his children because he is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. Come on, people. Thank you, Jesus. We work with God as we pray. So don't approach the prayer with the idea that you are here and he's far off over there. No, you are one. We are workers together with him. Ezekiel 22 and verse 29 to 31 in the, B, in the Berean Study Bible. The heading above it says, it speaks of the sins of prophets, priests, and princes. Let me read this. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and have exploited the foreign resident without justice. I searched for a man among them to repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I should not destroy it. But I found no one, so I poured out my indignation upon them and consumed them with the fire of my fury. I brought their ways down on their own heads, declares the Lord. So again, when God saw the sin and dysfunction, he wasn't looking to punish or condemn or wipe them out. Says he was looking for an intercessor. He was looking for somebody to pray, somebody to stand in the gap. Is there anybody willing to stand in the gap for Ireland today in Jesus' name? Because I believe there is a destiny upon this land, north and south. And I declare that the destiny for this nation will prevail in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You see, God wants men and women who stand in the gap. He wants to answer your prayers because sometimes we think we have to somehow convince God in order for our prayers to prevail. No, child of God, you couldn't be further from the truth. It's He that has moved your heart to pray to Him in the first place. He's the one who put the desire there. You are His child and He loves you. And just like my beautiful wife said, He loves to bless His children. Amen. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. I love this quote by Ian Bounds. The men who have done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees. Does that describe you? Are you a person before you go off and eat, before you go to the gym? Of course you can't go to the gym. Before you go for another walk, uh, God delivers some uh, moving strictly on from there. But you know what, before you do anything, do you pray? Do you look to the Lord? Amen? Because the Bible says Ephesians 6:10 be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might. It says, uh, hallelujah, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, rulers of darkness. Amen. So we are in a battle. The Bible describes here, you know, our enemy. And our enemy is organized. Amen. And that's why as the church. We have to stand shoulder to shoulder as churches and as ministers standing together in Jesus' name. Because clearly we are in a spiritual battle. But the Bible says, after having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, there is a time to stand. There is a time to stop running. There is a time to stop backing back. There is a time to stand and trust God. And I believe that time has come. Amen. Clearly, we are in a spiritual battle and our enemy is not playing games. We must be strong in the Lord and we must be strong in prayer. Numbers 22 6. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me. Curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land for I what? Uh, That he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he thou cursed is cursed. This is the story of Balaam and Balak. You know, Balak came to Balaam and asked him to curse the people of Israel. But you know what? You can't curse whom God has blessed. That's why every enemy has always fallen before the people of Israel. Hallelujah. God loves that nation. They're the apple of his eye. Amen. Because just like the people of Israel, you can have enemies that you are unaware of. How many of you know not everybody likes you? Not everybody who smiles at you is your friend, okay? So uh, not everybody who says brother or sister has your best intentions at heart. Amen? But you know what? Just like the children of Israel, you can have enemies that you're unaware of that are actively plotting your destruction day and night. But you know what Isaiah 54 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Any tongue to rise against you in judgment will be condemned. How many of you believe that? You can't be defeated. You can't can't be taken down. You can't be stopped. You can't be held back. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. So today I would like to share four characteristics of prevailing prayer. And the first one is faith. Matthew 7 and verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. God made it very simple. Just ask. But you must pray in faith if you want your prayers to prevail. Because to be honest, some people seem to pray just for the sake of praying. With no real sense of focus or sense of urgency or expectancy. But ultimately, if you don't prevail, you fail. Yes, you might have got a nice feeling, or maybe you felt like you got brushed by an angel's wing, or you got a prophecy, or maybe, you know, you feel like gold was falling from the ceiling, or all these other kind of peripheral things people get involved in. But ultimately, if you don't prevail in your prayer, you fail. So it's not about just getting a kind of a spiritual high. It's not about just getting out of the depression you're in. It's not just about, you know, getting a kind of a nice buzz or feeling or, you know, finding the joy again. Yeah, But but you know what? You might must prevail Hebrews eleven six. 6 it says without faith it's impossible to please him so when we pray we must pray in faith because it is faith that enables us to prevail Luke 1:37, for with God nothing will be impossible so I'm over eight minutes into my message so I'm sure I've lost a lot of people but you know what I thank God for those of you who are willing to stick with the message be a person who sticks with things Okay? Don't be just jumping in here, jumping in there, jumping somewhere else. If you're like that, go somewhere else, okay? Go find somebody give you a little 10-minute sermonette, that's fine. But you know what? I believe the word of God deserves our time and attention, okay? So stick with this in Jesus name. All right? So we need faith if we want to prevail. For with God nothing is impossible. Matthew 19:26. Jesus looked at them and said, "With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, we serve a God who specializes in answering prayer. So expect an answer when you pray. Hebrews 4, 12, four two. For unto us was the gospel preached as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. The NIV, it says, For uh, we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed, not being mixed with faith. It really doesn't matter how nice your prayer sounds or how many scriptures or lofty phrases it contains. If you don't pray in faith, it wasn't heard. You must believe God when you pray. Mark 11:24. Yeah, and therefore say whatever things you ask for when you pray, believing, you will receive. So the Bible says it predicates receiving on believing. And unfortunately, many people when they pray, they don't really believe. They're, they're kind of hopeful, or, or, or oh, oh, God, or, or they approach God from the p- position of, oh, I'm, I'm so pathetic. Oh, please have pity. God doesn't move in your life because he feels sorry for you. God moves in your life because you take him at his word, and you believe what he says. Uh, uh, Charles' grandson, uh, grandson, Finney, I love this guy. He was one of the first, uh, it was the first autobiography I read when I got first got saved 30 years ago, and it really... I believe was was a defining influence on my life, because he was a man of prayer, but listen to this. Prevailing prayer is that which secures an answer. Saying prayers is not offering prevailing prayer. And, And unfortunately, this is where many Christians get it wrong, they're saying prayers. But you know, as a little boy growing up in church, I used to say my prayers at night, but there was no faith whatsoever involved. So again, listen to what he says. Prevailing prayer is that which secures an answer. Saying prayers is not offering prevailing prayer. The prevalence of prayer does not depend so much on quantity as on quality. Okay? So it's not about how long... But it's about the quality of the wilderness, listing the negatives and impossibilities in prayer to God. You know, the people said, the land is good, yes, but the giants are there, the Nephilim. They just started listing the impossibilities one after another after another. And finally, Caleb had to just cry out and says, we are, if God is with us, we are well able to take the land. And this, unfortunately, is the way many people pray. You know, oh God, you know I'm so sick. I'm so broke. You know I can't pay my bills. And how many of you know God doesn't know your situation, so you have to explain your situation to him like he's some kind of a dummy. Can you see how you're going? You're starting on the wrong tangent altogether. Okay, but this is the way some people pray. God, you know, I'm so sick. I'm I'm so lonely. I'm so afraid. And you're not doing anything to change my situation. I am sick of being single. Or others, Lord, take my husband home now before I kill him. Okay, Uh, sorry, but that's not praying. That is unbelief wrapped in religious language. It's like the man, young man who came up to me after every service without fail. Oh, pastor, I'm so miserable. I'm so lonely. Will you pray for me that I get a wife? And I'm like, oh, God, week after week. But, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm there to love people even when I want to slap them. So I'd pray with him every week. And, you know, not too long afterwards, God blessed him with a wife. How many of you know within two or three months, that very same man was back in the prayer line every Sunday? Oh, pastor, pray. This woman is driving me crazy. Let me say, this is a very important principle. If you're not going to be happy here, you're not going to be happy there. There's a saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. So if you're miserable and single, you'll be miserable and married. Praise the Lord. Okay, so again, James chapter 1 and verse 5. Praise you, Jesus. James 1 and verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it would be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for let not that man suppose he receive anything from the Lord he's a double minded man unstable in all of his ways and my wife has been very effective at times in pointing out my double mindedness when on one hand I'm praying for something and then when I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm tired we don't I, I guess I don't do that so much anymore but certainly in the past I would have and she would rebuke me and say uh, you are talking yourself out of the blessings of God in your life by your complaining and whining because you're completely conscious what you've just asked for God for in prayer from God amen so let him ask in faith because God longs to bless your life but it is faith that allows God to move in your life he is a big God and he will do big things if only you will believe him what does the Bible say of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3 Abraham believed God Abraham believed God when nobody else did he believed God that is why he received the promise Verse 17 as written, I've made you a father uh, of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead. You must understand this principle. He calls things that are not as though they are. You see, there is power in our confession. Amen. God called Abraham a father of many nations when he had no children. Amen. Because you see, God sees the end from the beginning. God declares a thing and it manifests. Amen. Who contrary to hope and hope believed. So he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You must believe that God is able. The one thing that keeps coming up, if you look at those five or six verses I shared over and over again, Abraham believed God. He didn't give in to unbelief. He believed. And if you will believe, God will do amazing things. God is a big God. He will do big things if you will just believe him. Abraham believed God big, and we're still inspired by his story. Thousands of years later today, imagine what God might do in your life if only you will let him. You know, 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, and and we hear this story of Hannah. I'm not going to go into the detail because I don't have time, but Hannah was childless. She longed for a child, but she came to the point where she was burdened. And you know what? A man or a woman with a burden is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Amen? So she had a burden, and she prayed, and she brought that that burden to God in prayer. She was so burdened that the priest uh, thought she was drunk because she was just almost speaking to herself and he was so spiritually dull and insensitive. And you know, I've, I've often prayed that. Lord, help me not to be dull and insensitive to what you are doing in a moment. Because you know what? Uh, this woman was praying a prayer that was going to change the nation of Israel forever. She was praying a prayer that was going to raise up a prophet of God in their nation who would speak the word of the Lord to that nation. And Israel would forever be changed because of the ministry of Samuel. And this man completely missed what God was doing. It just went, whew, over his head. I've met a lot of Christians like that. I've met some pastors like that too. But you know what? We need to be in the spirit. We need to be sensitive of what God is doing. And you know what? God answered her prayer. She brought the prayer. She brought her son um, uh, to the priest and to dedicate him to the temple. Verse 27, For this child I prayed. Have you prayed for your children? Oh, but Pastor John, they're far away from God. They're not too far away from your prayers. Amen? They may be far away from God right now, but they are not far from your prayers. You can touch their lives in prayer. Amen. If you will pray, God will touch them. But I've family members, and they're living in sin. Well, you know what? Get on your knees and pray for them. And watch how quickly God moves in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. For this child, I have prayed. Oh, praise you, Jesus. And the Lord has granted me the petition which I have asked of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. Oh, glory to Jesus Christ. What a wonderful promise. Thank God, in spite of the many challenges and disappointments that Hannah prevailed in her prayer. You see, what made Hannah the difference between Hannah and so many others? There's loads of people with needs. There's loads of people who pray when they have a problem. But she pressed through and she prevailed. It is time for us to prevail in prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank God, in spite of the many challenges and disappointments, she prevailed. She prevailed in her prayer because she prayed in faith. And without faith, it is impossible. And because she prevailed in prayer, Israel had a prophet of God to lead and direct the nation. 1 Samuel 3, 19-21. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. You know what? Samuel was a man of God's word. Hallelujah. Samuel was a man of his word. But you know what? Long before Samuel was a man of God's word, his mother was a woman of prayer. Hallelujah. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. And then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Leonard Ravenhill said this. God does not answer prayer. God answers desperate prayer. Can you see the difference? God answers desperate prayer. Some of us need to change. As we see with Hannah, desperate, passionate, faith-filled prayers prevail when religious ones fail. So firstly, faith. Secondly, focus. You need to establish exactly what you want. Because if you aim at nothing, when you pray, don't be surprised if you never hit the mark. Or rather if you hit the mark of nothing. You know James chapter 4 and verse 2 says you have not because you ask not. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered simply because they just aren't specific. Because if you always pray in vague or general terms, how can you even know if your prayers have been answered? Sometimes we avoid putting ourselves in positions where we need God to come true for us, and that is unbelief. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, so the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. But you know what? I think it's also important to understand that it's also the substance of what you specifically pray for. Okay and God is never offended when you pray specific prayers for specific things. You know years ago when we didn't have a house, a house, we were believing for one. We prayed for a two-story, four-bed detached house. Guess what kind of a house we live in today? There you go. God answers specific prayers. Delight yourself the Lord, Psalm 37:4. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Exodus 14 15 then the Lord said to Moses why are you crying out to me tell the people to get moving the ESV said to Moses why did you cry to me tell the people of Israel to go forward you see God go God said go forward amen you know what he was saying he was saying don't lose your focus Moses keep moving forward kid Because sometimes Satan sends storms, and at other times he sends people. But either way, his purpose is to break your focus. Remember, the storm is never really about the storm. He just sends the storm to break your focus, because he knows what God is about to do in your life. And like I said, sometimes he sends a storm. Sometimes he sends people. How many of you know sometimes a person can walk away after a couple of minutes talking to you. And they walk away with, their, with your joy. They walk away with your peace. Amen. Because of the spirit that's working with that person. That's why you got to guard your heart. Amen. Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. And here we see Jesus was up in the mountain transfiguration. The glory of God was seen. He comes down. Now when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. One of the sign of a Pharisee is they love to argue. We've had people that have left this church because they have that argumentative spirit. And I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to philosophize. I'm not here to debate. I'm here to proclaim truth. If you don't like it, go find somewhere where you do fit. Amen? But I tell you something, that spirit of strife and argument is a sign of somebody with the spirit of a Pharisee. And so the disciples, the Pharisees managed to pull the disciples into their world where instead of demonstrating, now they're debating. Okay? And so here they're disputing with them and... um, Anyway, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeting him. And they asked the scribes, saying, uh, he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered, said, teacher, I brought you my son, who is a mute spirit. Whenever it sees him, it throws him down and foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. What's the answer to your problem? Bring it to Jesus. Amen. Then they brought him to him. When he saw him, he, conv- he convulsed him. The spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And uh, often he has thrown him into the water and into the, into the fire to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. So, no matter what you're facing today, maybe cancer, maybe lymphoma, it may be bankruptcy, it may be depression, despair. I don't know what's going on, addiction, belief. All things are possible to those who believe. Believe that things can change. Believe that the Lord can turn things around in Jesus' name. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, He rebuked the spirit. He spoke to the spirit. So many times we're dealing with the manifestation, not with the source. He spoke to the spirit. He said, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead. And they said, many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he rose. When he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You know, we've been praying and fasting. We've been praying and fasting for the last three days because we're believing for breakthroughs in Ireland. This is how serious we are about this we are serious, we are deadly serious change has to come, the churches have to open, revival has to come, breakthrough has to come in the name of Jesus, we have to see the miracles and the signs just like Gideon who said where are all the miracles, it's time for God to move in Jesus name in this land, I believe that, absolutely, amen so again, I love the way that Christ kept his composure and his focus and he set the boy free he avoided the argument. He went straight to the issue. Think about it. He had just come down from the glory of God. Up in the mountain transfiguration. And he comes down. And here's all this bickering and strife. And he just avoids the whole thing. And he keeps his composure. He keeps his focus. Amen. Hallelujah. Prayer that prevails. Firstly, faith. Secondly, focus. In Exodus seventeen eleven. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Because Aaron and her stood with Moses, he was able to keep his focus on the battle. Amen. How many battles might have been won if only men and women gave themselves to prayer rather than to argument and strife? If we gave ourselves to, you know, if if we gave ourselves to lifting up uh, our leaders in prayer rather than tearing them down, that means that from now on, you're not allowed to have roast pastor for lunch. And unfortunately, that's what some people have when they walk out of church on a Sunday. Amen. Seriously, though, how many pastors and leaders might have stood through the storm if only they had some. Faithful, men and women who interceded and lifted up their arms in prayer. I tell you, I was so blessed yesterday. Uh, I, I, was a, I was a little weary and tired, and, 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 and Tanya came up and said, "You know, you know we're praying for you." We know we're lifting you up in prayer, you and your wife and your family. And I I tell you, it meant so much to know that. And I thank God we have many faithful intercessors in this church. And not just in this church. We have people around the world that pray for us. And I thank God for you all. Amen. We bless Debbie and, uh, you know, everybody else that is out there praying for us. But you know what? Ministry is a battle. You're in a battle for souls, you're in a battle to contend for the move of God, you're in a battle to set the captives free, and sometimes ministers grow weary because the battle is relentless. This is why you must pray for your pastor, because pastors are constantly ministering to others, but the question is, who ministers to the minister? Where does the minister go when they have a burden? When they have an issue or a problem? So whether we're called to preach or to pray, we must maintain our focus. Philippians 3, uh, 12 to 14. Paul said, this one thing I do. Forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forward. He said this one thing, not 50 things. I know people right now. I love them in the Lord. I know they're called, they're anointed, but they will never accomplish anything because they flit from one thing to another like a little bird. They just never stick at anything. Oh, Pastor, I'm going to be right here with you. You turn around a couple of months later. Where are they gone? They just moved on. They either got offended or something else came along and they just moved. And if they'd only been willing to stay and serve, God could have done something in their lives. And so again, this is important. This one thing I do, not 50 things, not 20 things. You know why some of you don't bear fruit? You never stick at anything long enough, including your prayer. James five sixteen to 18 talks about the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. He, you know, talks about Elijah. He was a man with, with a nature like ours. Yet he prayed and, the, and the, the rain stopped for three and a half years. He prayed again and it rained. Amen. And so that Bible, the, the, the definition of fervent means having or displaying a passionate intensity. It means hot. And so I don't get, I don't get mad if, if, if people are, think I'm a little uh, too frank or a little too passionate. Amen? Uh, I get nervous if I'm not passionate enough. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold. I want to be on the hot side. I don't know about you. Maybe you're comfortable being on the cold or lukewarm. I'm not. I believe this message. I live this life. I don't believe there's any other life worth living. Amen. If you're going through the motions, so be it. I'm not. I'm not playing games. I'm believing for revival. You know, I learned to take myself seriously long before anybody else did. I learned to take the calling of God on my life and my wife and my children long before anybody else had any regard for it. Amen, hallelujah. If you take God seriously, he'll take you seriously. But it means hot, burning, or glowing. The Greek word is energio, It means effectual, uh, be fervent, mighty. It comes from the word for active, operative, powerful, or effectual. I think it's interesting, the fervent prayer, energy prayer, where we get the word energy. So the question is, just how bad do you want it? You know, Luke chapter 18 talks about the persistent widow. She kept coming, uh, saying, give me justice against my adversary. And the unjust judge says, even though I don't fear God, I will give her justice, lest she wear me out by her continual coming. It's interesting the Bible talks of the persistent widow. She simply would not take no for an answer. It's interesting that when Christ chose an example of persistence, he chose a woman with a request. And so too, any married men understand that. And, And so prayer that prevails is focused prayer that just won't quit no matter what. You know, Luke chapter 19 talks about nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Amen? And so, again, this is important. Um, Thank you, Jesus. Verse 44, you did not know the time of your visitation. Amen? So, I believe there is a time when God will visit us. There is a time when God will manifest that prayer. He will manifest the answer. You see, her persistence won the day. So, don't quit on your dreams. Uh, D.L. Moody said this, Only when we get serious with God can we expect an answer. And this is the painful truth. Some of you have not got serious with God yet. We casually present him with a list of requests and preferences rather than pressing in prayer with an attitude of, I won't let go until you bless me. The Bible says in in Genesis 32 that Jacob was left alone and he wrestled with a man till the breaking of the day and he would not let go. And he said, I will not let go until you bless me. And uh, again, we touched last week about how the angel said, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, no longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel, because you've prevailed with god and man and and so too we can prevail in our prayers but you know what we have to be like jacob who was willing to wrestle all night and sometimes we have to wrestle in prayer amen jacob was far from perfect but he was willing to literally wrestle all night until he received the blessing that he so desired you can receive the blessing God has for you, but you're going to have to wrestle. You're going to have to be focused. He had laser-like focus. He knew he made mistakes, but he knew what he wanted. Genesis 32:28. and he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. It was John Knox, the great Scottish farmer, who once cried out, Give me Scotland or I die! Oh, you know, centuries later, we can still feel the the heat and the fervency of that cry. D.L. Moody, again, those who have left the deepest impression on this sin-cursed earth have been men and women of prayer. John Mott uh, said this, the founder of the YMCA, How much time? I do not know. I know it means time enough to forget time. He was talking about prayer. See, it's not about time. You spend long enough, so do you forget about time? Amen? That's effective prayer. You know, Matthew 28 talks about the blind beggars crying out, and they kept crying out. You know, Psalm 30, verse 2, I cried to the Lord, and He healed me. Amen? They refused to back down or be talked out of what they wanted from God. How many people fail in life? Not due to a lack of talent, opportunity, or ability, but rather simply due to a lack of focus, and persistence. They listened to the lies of the enemy and they quit, oftentimes just before the tide was about to turn. And this is the tragedy. I, I often we were just in Glendelock this week and we are looking at all these beautiful gravestones and, and you know, I'm fascinated by, by the age of many of them back to the 1700s and, and even older because, again, Glendelock goes back to the 6th century so the oldest ones you won't even see, you know, a headstone. But, you know, you look at those headstones and you think of all of the lives they represent. How many of those people died without fulfilling their plans, their ambitions, their gifts, their talents, their abilities, their calling? Because of lack of persistence, lack of focus. Because the darkest hour usually comes just before the dawn. I remember in the recession on the phone to my solicitor, and he's screaming at me, telling me, shut the the church down. But I couldn't. Because 1 John 5 4 says, What's born of God overcomes the world. When you know something's been born of God, you just can't let it go. So I didn't quit. The Bible says, after having done all to stand, stand therefore. So I kept standing. You see, you stand in the sunshine, you stand in the storm. And to this day, I don't know who, I don't know how, but God brought the money in to clear our overdraft, and He brought us through. We were in trouble, but we didn't quit. And I've learned that's a secret to success in life just don't quit. I didn't quit. You know, Exodus 5 talks about how, you know, before things got better, things got worse. You know, for the Israelites, when Moses said, let my people go. Because when you refuse to quit, the only option that remains is to win. Amen? So, again, this is the beauty. And uh, I, I think I'm going to give another week to this. Because I think it's, it's a subject that bears um, taking seriously. And... Uh, I believe we're going to give another week to dealing with the issue, with, with the subject of prayer because prayer is important. God wants us to prevail in prayer, and um, so we're just going to end the service today by entering into a little time of prayer. And um, I'd like um, uh, Joshua and Julie, and um, maybe uh, Jonathan and Olivia, if they're open. Um, I'd like them to come and and just maybe say a prayer, uh, you, you know, for children, uh, for different age groups. Amen. And, and we're just going to flow in prayer just, just for a, a, a little while. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. If the worship group could come forward, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, that we can prevail in prayer. We can prevail in prayer. Just like, just like uh, Jacob. He prevailed in prayer. And so too, we will prevail in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, wherever you are at home, I want you to just lift your hands. Just begin to pray in the spirit. The Bible says, "But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just begin to. The Bible says, "He who prays non long tongue edifies himself." So we just want to. We just want to pray in the spirit. For and you might say, "But we had four hours of prayer yesterday. So what?" We're going to spend eternity in His presence. And the Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And so, we just want to spend some time in prayer right now, Lord. I just thank You, Father, for every person watching. You know every life. You know every circumstance. You know every need, every situation. Lord, I know there's people watching today and maybe they have a broken heart. Maybe they've been disappointed or rejected or maybe they have failed in some way. But Lord, we know that they're not beyond the reach of your grace. We know, Lord, that you can turn things around, Lord. We know that you can bring healing, Lord. You can bring healing where there is sickness. You can bring hope where there is despair. You can bring deliverance where there is oppression. Glory to God because you came to set the captives free. And so, Father, I just thank you that you're doing something in our hearts and you're bringing us to a place where prayer becomes as natural as breathing. Amen. Where prayer becomes as natural as taking our very next breath. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That, Lord, that instead of obsessing over things, instead of worrying over things, and instead of constantly asking other people to pray, we're going to pray ourselves. Because we have access to the throne of grace. And we can come into your presence and pray. We can come into your presence, Lord God, and receive what we need. We can access your grace we can access your glory so come on girls praise the lord hallelujah who's going to come up and pray today we're going to start praying in jesus name praise you lord and i know that you know many uh, children in this nation have gone for months and months without school without you know being around their friends without you know being around their buddies and um you know what? We we thank God that they're back in school now. But, you know, Julie, I want you to pray a prayer for your friends. Amen. So put the mic up here, sweetie. Okay.
1: I pray for um, my friends at school that they'll... Um,
0: Come on. How are you going to pray? That
1: they'll get saved.
0: Amen. That um, they won't be sad
1: that they don't get to see their
0: their friends. <laughs> yeah amen. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. praise the Lord Julianne. <laughs> Jonathan
1: I'd just like to pray for a boy in my school called Joseph. I pray that he will no longer be blinded by the devil and that he will worship God as all of us do.
0: Amen amen Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Father we just thank you Lord. Praise you Jesus. Where's little Joshua? Thank you. He, okay. Well, praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you. We stand in the gap. Joanna, you want to come up here and pray with me, darling? Come on. Let's just begin to flow in prayer. I believe that I believe there's a, there's a flow right now. We can get into we can pray. We can move with God amen we want to move with him we don't want to be going through the motions we don't want to be rigid we don't want to be bound by formula or protocol the bible says as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god so we thank you holy spirit for leading us right now as we pray in the name of jesus christ thank you lord praise you jesus I know you got things you're going to pray, but I want you to pray, Joanna, for people that are struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, and people struggling in their mental health. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, we just thank you, Father.
1: Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're our heavenly Father, and you know what we need of even before we ask and so i just lift up the children of god that are struggling right now with fear and anxiety and stress panic attacks even nervous breakdowns right now lord i just thank you we come together as a body of believers in agreement for the strongholds of fear and anxiety to be broken off of your life this morning by the power of the name of jesus christ the name that is above every name. Just remember that the name of Jesus is higher than anxiety. The name of Jesus is higher than fear and stress. And so, Father, we just release that peace right now from this place. We release that peace into your life in the name of Jesus. And we just say that we, you have a sound mind. You have the mind of Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I just pray that their focus would be off of their own selves, their eyes off themselves and their eyes on you and who you've created them to be. Because if the greater one lives on the inside of you, then none of that other stuff can remain in your life. It it has no place. So I pray for a revelation for your people this morning, a greater revelation of who they are in Christ, what you call them to do, who they are, that they are more than conquerors. Just say that this morning, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. I am more than a conqueror. Hallelujah, we just thank you this morning. We just thank you for that peace, that supernatural peace, that it's beyond understanding. We just ask you to flood their minds this morning and help them, Lord, help your people. Help your people to be aggressive with the thoughts that the enemy places in their mind. Lord, a zero tolerance for the negative, fear-filled thoughts the enemy tries to whisper in your ears. It's time to rise up, people of God, and we just pray supernaturally, Lord, for those people who feel incapacitated that they can't rise up, we say to you this morning, you can rise up and you will rise up in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah.
0: You know, I just feel to pray right now over people with despair. It's almost like you know it's almost like a black bag over your head and you can't breathe and you can't see the way forward and you're just struggling with despair even even to the point where you can't sleep at night even to the point when you when you get up you want to you want to go to bed and when you go to bed you want to get up and you're just disorientated. And and the Lord says in the name of Jesus, it's time for change. It's time to cast off those grave clothes. Like Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And in the name of Jesus, I say, loose him, loose her and let them go. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, all depression, all despair, all fear, all anxiety, we declare His power broken over you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord. Amen. People struggling to sleep. We pray in the name of Jesus, your sleep will be sweet. Hallelujah. We declare rest, Lord. We declare rest and peace over you in Jesus' name. Because, Lord, you declare the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are blind, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and so Lord right now we declare the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness wherever you are right now at home just lift your hands begin to praise the Lord begin you might not feel like praising him but praise is a choice not a feeling hallelujah we praise him by faith we praise God hallelujah God you give us the oil of joy and the garment of Praise for the spirit of heaviness.
1: We just come against people who've been suffering with depression, who are, you know, even on medication for depression. Lord, we just speak balance right now, even chemical balance into to be restored into their bodies in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, for restoring their purpose, restoring their joy in the name of Jesus Christ. We just thank you for where it has come in and tried to destroy families. We just come against that depression. We come against that stronghold right now, and we just break it by the power of the name of Jesus. We just say you are free. We see those chains of bondage, Uh, coming off of your life breaking free this this morning in the name of jesus depression you lift in the name of jesus you lift from the people of god the families of god in jesus name we thank you lord
0: Lord, we raise up marriages right now. I know there's marriages, many marriages are under assault. The enemy's been destroying so many marriages during this season. But we speak restoration. We speak restoration over marriages in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak restoration. We come against abuse. We come against divorce. We come against every assignment of destruction sent against people's homes. We speak for the, sh- we speak the shalom of God over people's homes, over their hearts and homes in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord God, for bringing restoration into broken homes and broken marriages in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for those who are struggling financially, Lord. Those who have maybe lost their jobs or their businesses are closed. We pray you encourage them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray for your shalom. We pray for your peace. And we pray, Lord God, for our society. We pray for Ireland to open. We declare that right now. We call Ireland open. Lord, you call things that are not as though they were. We call Ireland open in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ireland open in Jesus' name. Open up. Open up. Open up in the name of Jesus. And
1: right now, we just come against the after effects of this pandemic socially, socially, we just come against that fear of people and fear of contamination and disease, yeah. Lord. We just take authority over every unnatural thing in the name of Jesus. That it's not going to be unnatural. It's not going to be unnatural to hug people. We're going to start yeah. hugging one another again. Amen. We're going Amen. to start shaking hands again, Father. We just yeah. come against that fear of contagion. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Father. Every neurosis, every neurotic disorder that has come as a result of this pandemic, we nullify it in the lives of the people of this nation. In Jesus' name, we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. We declare your will be done on we declare Amen. it, just say it, on earth, on earth as, it as it is in heaven. We
0: thank you, Lord. say God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power love and a sound mind. We bind every devil of fear right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you, you need to stop walking in fear. You need to stop obsessing over that and stop giving, neither give place to the devil. That means you don't give place to fear. And so much of what the media has been pumping out over this last year has just been unadulterated fear. No more. You're a child of God. You are not given a spirit of fear. We want a power of love and a sound mind. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Set people free from fear. In the name of Jesus Christ. We declare the power of fear broken over Ireland. You know, Ireland had a reputation. You know, the fighting Irish. Where is the fighting Irish? Where is that courage? Where's that bravery? Where's that willing, willingness to face down an enemy? God doesn't want us locked away, cowering in fear. No. No. No fear. We choose faith, not fear. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. So belete. Hamana koso This isn't about vaccines. You do what you want. Don't care if you take it or don't take it. It's entirely your choice. But we do not want to be ruled by fear. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. And let me say this. Just by the Spirit of God. Some of you that have been so opinionated online about people with vaccines, you need to back off. Every person makes their own choice. You choose for you. You don't choose for anybody else. So just shut your mouth and let it drop. And let's focus on the business of the kingdom, which is souls. People call me about this and ask, and I say, look, I'm not an expert. I don't know about this. One thing I do know is I I will absolutely stand against vaccine passports. People have to, my body, my choice. Let people make their own choice, okay? But I do not believe that the doors of a church should be shut to people depending on whether or not they make that decision, okay? But other than that, we need to just let people be and let people do what they want to do, okay? Our focus is souls. We need to just
1: remember that we are ambassadors for Christ. And some of the posts I read, you don't come across, we're not coming across Christ-like. Yeah. We need to be a light in the darkness and nagging and just, you know, just giving your opinion in an aggressive manner is not a good representation of Christ. Yesterday, Pastor John just shared, and I I just want to share this this morning because I think it's important, the Lord put on his heart to go into the cash and carry and buy a lot of chocolates and biscuits. Over
0: 400 euros worth of dairy milk. And, and put biscuits. them into
1: the guardist, to our two local garden stations and our, our local children's hospital, because we, yeah. believe yeah. Yeah. we believe in the power of testimony. We believe in the power of testimony, and our testimony has to be a good Christ-like one.
0: I went into the garden station, went into Cromlin. I said, "Look, I want you to just give a box of chocolates to every one of the the various um, uh, wards," and and the girl was just so touched, and and I mean. It, you know, even in the garden station, they were shot. I said, "Look, we just want to show appreciation." I said, "Look, we're praying and fasting this weekend." I love dairy milk, but but I said, "Look, we just want to show appreciation because let me say this: it grieves me to see Christians showing disrespect to Guardy or to anybody else in authority. We may disagree profoundly, and like I said, I'm going to be at the cross." the papal cross next Sunday at 9 a.m. I'm going to pray I'm going to read some scriptures I know what I'm called to do but I know this as Christians we must always show respect to those who are in authority because it is a thankless job but you know what if you have a tragedy or a trauma at 4 o'clock in the morning it's the guardie that are going to come to help you it's the fire brigade it's the ambulance that's going to come and help you those nurses and doctors, they're working through the night. We're not denying the reality of COVID and the destruction that is wrought in the lives of people. We're just simply talking about balance. It's not balanced to keep churches closed when people desperately need hope and solace and yes. comfort in these dark times. Yes, so let's show respect, whether that's online or offline. Amen. You know, when we, when we met for you know, uh, Easter Sunday, we had a sunrise uh, service at the cross. Some of us gathered to pray and to worship, and I said, to, listen, if anybody turns up here, remember, you're a child of God, so act like it. I don't want any smart comments or any disrespect shown towards any, any person in authority who may take issue with what we did. We just gathered socially distanced to worship and pray so again let's pray and let's continue to stand to see god's glory come because i really believe this we're going to see god's glory like i said i didn't share photos on social media about this or uh, it's not about broadcasting it's not about virtue signaling it's about simply showing some respect and appreciation and if we could all do that to each other how much better this world would be You know one of the problems with the world of social media is that people say things to each other They would never say face-to-face to to another person That's one reason why I went on that show eating with the enemy I honestly didn't know how it would go or how it would be edited or what I would be asked I didn't even know they wouldn't tell you who you would be sitting down to eat with But one thing I said to them I said look I believe Our world is becoming so polarized through social media. And too many times we're talking at each other rather than talking with each other. And so I went by faith. And you know what? It was a wonderful experience. And a couple of weeks ago, it was on Virgin TV. It's still there on Virgin Player. It's episode five if you want to watch it, Eating with the Enemy. I'm right there, Pastor John, sitting down. (laughs) The guy nearly choked on his his, uh, fish roll or whatever it was when he... (laughs) When I when I mentioned Donald Trump that I admired him, he was oh he was just like. <laughs> How many of you know God's got a sense of humor? God's got a sense of humor. So,
1: but love never fails. Love never
0: fails.